Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And I'm Howie Silbiger. Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So happy that you're here with me. So glad to be here with you. And uh, I say the same thing every week, but I actually mean it. Uh, a lot of people say things, they don't mean it. I say things I actually mean. It's true, I mean them. So so believe me, don't believe me, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me if you believe me or not. Because I mean everything I say. Everything. I stand behind every single word I say. Right here on this show. So I'm happy that you're here. And I mean it. <laughs> uh, a lot of stuff has happened this week. We uh, we we didn't we weren't on last week, and a lot of stuff has happened over the course of the week. And uh, I'd like to talk to you about it, but uh, I, I can't talk to you alone. Well, I can, but I, I won't talk to you alone. I will uh, I will ask my friend, my uh, my my confrere, my mentor. Well, maybe not my mentor, but my friend, my confrere, and my uh, and, and my good old colleague. Mr. Sheldon Freed. Mr. Sheldon Eric Freed. Yes, English is my first language. Mr. Sheldon Eric Freed to join me. Of course, the lines are open. You could call in. Numbers to call 1877-669-1292. Sheldon is here with me. Hi, Sheldon. Um yeah, Hi, Howie. That was almost English, and um I'm I'm proud of myself, yes. Well, you know, usually you wait till the end of the show when you start flubbing up different things, but now you start at the beginning of the show. So there's variety there. Life does go on, right? And I know that you really are really happy that everybody's tuned in to see you because I I I know that you care. I am happy. I know that I care. And we are broadcasting on a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of networks. We're broadcasting on Twitch. We're broadcasting on Facebook. We're broadcasting on Twitter. We're broadcasting on YouTube. So it's good to have all this uh, all these people watching and this this entire audience. And uh, it, it's nice. It's fun. And uh, I'm happy that people have decided to spend their Sunday evening with us, Sheldon. Well, I'm very happy that you're happy that everybody else is happy to spend Sunday evening with you. Well, we we got to be happy. That's 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 the point here. So so let's just be happy. shiny happy people, according to REM. Uh, Sheldon plays REM sometimes on his show, um, Inside the Vault. So you can you can catch yes. that every night, right here on True Talk Radio. Uh, shiny happy people. That's right. It's one of the songs he plays. Yeah, yeah. One, yeah. Of, the, one of the many songs he plays on his music show. Uh, yeah, I play classic rock, progressive rock, AOR rock, and some oldies thrown in for good measure. Well, yeah. Sheldon knows a lot about oldies. That's that's the truth. Yeah, you know too a lot about oldies. Well, Sheldon lived through the oldies. Your your hair reflects it as such. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I, yes. I can't even yeah. I can't even argue with you. No. So Sheldon, the um, the vaccine, the oh, the vaccine has been handed out to a lot of people around the world, but not too many people in Canada. And it is a it is a shame. It is it is a bloody shame that the Canadian Prime Minister has fumbled the ball when it came to um, when it came to COVID relief and came to COVID vaccine uh, distribution. Uh, it came to making a deal with COVID. Uh, the United States of America is vaccinating a million people a day. Uh, where if Canada vaccinated a million people a day, the entire country would be vaccinated in a month. Um, and Canada's vaccinated uh, maybe what was it a hundred thousand in, uh, in in the two months that the vaccine's been out, it, something like that. It's, it's kind of shameful, yeah. if you ask me. Uh, 
Uh, and I'm wondering, why do you think Canadians aren't freaking out more about this? Why do you think that Canadians are just kind of blasé about this? I mean, we're locked in our homes. We're in, we're in, um, we, we are in uh, house arrest mode. And we've been in house arrest mode for for over a month. Um, why are Canadians so blasé about the fact that their government has fumbled the ball? Uh, American, the American president lost the election because he fumbled the ball. Well, at least it was perceived he fumbled the ball. Uh, why? Why are Canadians so well? Well, you know, it's Justin. We we have to accept it. I think I think people are starting to get more vocal now because now things are turning to the point that. We're not just talking about one pharmaceutical company. We're now talking possibly three pharmaceutical companies that have a manufacturing base in Europe. Now, all of a sudden, and this is, this is the thing that just boggles the mind, and this is the thing I'm really questioning this government, and I'm very, very, really upset about, and I'm sure a lot of Canadians are sharing this with me. You, first of all, you have Pfizer, which was the first one that got the go-ahead from Health Canada, the approval. Right. Then, then, uh, then there was Moderna. Then, then there's AstraZeneca. Now, those three pharmaceutical companies, according to the contracts that Canada signed, their distributions, their, their manufacturers, man, the manufacturing facilities are all based in Europe. Okay. Unfortunately, and I think if, if this has taught us anything, we have to be able to develop stuff here. We have to be more independent, not just in vaccines, but a lot of things. We have to stop being so reliant in other countries because now the EU is starting to is starting to complain and is starting to put a lot of pressure on these pharmaceutical companies not to ship overseas unless people in Europe get their vaccinations first. Now, the thing was, contracts were already been made before the EU decided to get, you know, a get tough policy here. So Canada signed contracts. Now, there's more pharmaceutical companies that are on, uh, they're on their way of being approved from Health Canada. Now, as far as the states are concerned, the states, Moderna does have a manufacturing facility in the state of Michigan. And they're and they're 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 uh, they're manufacturing the vaccines at home on U.S. soil. So there's a big advantage there that the fact is the U.S. doesn't have to depend as much on Europe as Canada does. Figuring the fact too that the United States have has over what 260 270 million people versus. 26 million people in Canada. So there's a big, big, uh, big, big difference there too. And the U.S. That, has uh, a lot of wait, manufacturing. Wait, 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 wait. You'd figure that if Canada has, uh, has, has much fewer people than the U.S., we would be in a, a much better shape to, to vaccinate the entire population quicker than the U.S. We don't have you would think. to do it. You would think that this would be an advantage to Canada, not a disadvantage. And like you said too, and you, you hit the, you hit the head right on the nail. Uh, you, if they would have inoculated one million, one million a day, or one million whatever, one million a week, or whatever the case is, we would we would practically be all inoculated by now. So there's something desperately wrong. 
Now the thing is, things will things will get better once the other pharmaceutical companies will get will get the approval from Health Canada. There was also um, there was also uh, Calgary. Apparently in Calgary, uh, I forget which one of the pharmaceutical companies they are will they are starting to build a pharmaceutical distribution center and manufacturing center. Uh, plant um, now. There's a place even in Montreal locally. They're coming up with apparently a pill form to help with the uh, with the reduction of the COVID virus to to uh, lower lower the um, lower the case of the of the uh, of the coronavirus. But that has been in the testing phase. But that has not been yet approved by Health Canada. But we still have a long way to go. Now, the thing is, the government still insists that we should all be vaccinated for anybody that wants to have the vaccine. We should have the vaccine in our arms, both dosages, by the end of September. Do I believe it? I find it very hard to believe when countries are scaling back. Why the end of September? You have countries like Israel that have vaccinated nearly the entire population. You have, exactly. Uh, yeah, you have countries like the United States who will have almost your entire population vaccinated by the time July comes around. Uh, and, and here we have Canada, a tiny little country, no population, yeah. 26, 30 million people, 35 million people. And when we yeah. have to wait till the end of, the end of September? I don't get any more anymore. I don't get it any any more than you get it. I mean, let's face it. Israel was always on the cutting edge yeah, of, but, but look, look, uh, you know, and, they're and all using, Israel's very, very clever. Look, they're all using the same vaccines, okay? We're all, they're all yeah. using the same vaccines from the same three companies. Yeah. So why is Israel able to get, you know, 7 million vaccines, 7 million doses, because they have 7 million people living there, 7 million doses? Why is the United States able to get a, a million doses a day? I understand the manufacturing in Michigan. I, I get, I get that you know the manufacturing plant doesn't hurt the United States, but but Canada can't seem to get their act together. And well, why, this is the thing. If it, to, why aren't we holding our prime minister accountable for this? Well, we should hold the prime minister accountable or anybody and any of our leaders because when you're dealing with a foreign country, you never know what can happen at any given time. Even if you think that the country may be our allies, you never know that when you when you don't have things homegrown and when you have to depend on the look. Even in the United States, they tried they tried to see if the if the plant in Michigan could be able to ship stuff in Canada. They refused. Right. It's uh, which they have a right to do in a way as well, because they want to they want to inoculate the Americans first. And if they have anything left over, I'm sure they will send vaccines. But at that time, God knows how long that's going to take. So, again, if if we had the manufacturing facilities here in Canada, because this has really opened up our eyes to a lot of things. I mean, you don't think something like this could happen again? Of course it could happen again it's happened before so the thing is unique so the thing is we have we have to be prepared and the thing is this country was completely on its hind legs and whose fault nobody ex- whose fault is that children well whose fault is this government and other past governments because we always needed the problem was we we were a small country having to depend on everything on the United States or everything in other other places around the world, which is a big mistake. We have to look before we were getting our personal protective equipment from the United States. Why uh, we uh, we didn't have the ma- now we we're starting to manufacture facilities here in Canada. 
But why did we have to, why didn't we have this in the first place? Personal protective equipment has always been very important to any health or frontline workers. They need them. They're constantly with people that have all different types of diseases. They wind up in the ERs and the hospitals. The healthcare and frontline workers are completely overwhelmed. They're on the point of burnout. But wasn't the story that we sent our masks and our PPE to, uh, to China at the beginning to help them fight the Wuhan coronavirus? Wasn't that the story? I think the United States also did some too. Isn't that why we didn't have anything is because we sent it all to China? I don't think we sent it all to China, but we did send some to China. Yeah, but the thing is, we just didn't have the manufacturing facilities. And now a lot of the manufacturing facilities were then geared up to, they they then got geared up to be able to produce and manufacture their own personal protective equipment on Canadian soil, which is something we desperately need. And that's something we have to always continue to have. But again, it's, it's a matter of, I think a lot of people have trusted, we thought, a lot of countries in Europe were our our friends or whatever. When it comes to health, it's like every man, every person for themselves. We can't afford this right now. There, this is a very big deal, and we we have to all be on board. And contracts have to be um, have to be honored, no matter which government was responsible in the formulation and creating of the, and signing of these contracts. In this case, it's the Trudeau government. So they they are responsible, like the pharmaceutical companies are responsible. And this is what I don't understand. You got Pfizer, which was the first pharmaceutical on board to be able to manufacture and distribute uh, distribute the vaccines. They knew when they were signing the contracts, the mass of amount, the mass amount of people that needed the vaccines from all over the world, including Canada. Then all of a sudden, they had to retool their production facilities. They waited this long. Well, Canada wasn't following the routine that they told them to follow. So this is the punishment. Don't you understand? Uh, we have yeah. A, we have a Facebook message. Uh, Dino, how could anyone be surprised by Trudeau's incompetence? He awarded a contract to the WE charity uh, knowing... Uh, contra to each charity group knowing that they would not administer the program for which they were awarded. There's no bid contract. Furthermore, Trudeau always gives the benefit of the doubt to China, the dictatorship he loves, and to the U.S., who he knows that Trudeau is a wimp. Where is the autonomous, proud, normally battled country we once knew? Why are we so dependent on others? We are, we are weak and small, and our prime minister is a chump. And it's time we admitted as much. I agree with Dino. I think our prime minister is a chump. I think it's. I think. To go. I mean, I, I, I think so too. The prime minister is a chump. The, the prime minister. I don't know if this is necessarily going to cost them the next election, but it's certainly not going well, to should. help. Between the we, between the we charity and this, he should lose the next election. Yeah, except I'm not exactly thrilled about the conservative uh, the leader is, either. The problem is we have no leadership. That's the problem. That, that's the, the other, problem. That, the exactly. Parties, Thank you. The other parties don't have very good leadership. And so you run into the issue of who do you vote for? Exactly. That's exactly what my that's exactly what I'm faced with now, because I'm not crazy about O'Toole. I'm not crazy about Trudeau. The NDP will never see the light of day, even if I were going to vote for the NDP or regardless, the NDP will never see the light of day. So forget about the NDP. The Bloc Québécois, forget it, because no, none of us want the Bloc Québécois. So who else is going to be the Green Party? No. Marijuana Party? No. 
communists. So what? So the Communist Party? No. So what? I mean, let's put it this way: If Dino, if Dino, if you're listening, if you were a person running for the Conservative Party, I would vote for you in a heartbeat because you have a heart. Yeah, I, so that's I'm, I'm not so, so, so gung ho about O'Toole either. I mean, I've I haven't been very gung ho about the Conservative Party in in uh, in, in quite a while. Um, the candidates that run the area that I'm in uh, have never been haven't been very very strong candidates. They've been they've been kind of weak candidates, and kind and a few of them that they've chosen uh, it was questionable why they chose them, and um, and and they they were carrying a lot of baggage with them. Yeah. So so it's like I haven't been able to get behind the conservatives in a long time. And See the thing. It's kind of sad because I mean I would I'm the kind of guy who would normally vote conservative, and be involved in the conservative party, and I am not involved in the party, and I don't vote conservative. Well, in general, I I haven't voted for the last couple of uh, elections conservative, and I'll be honest about it. I I know voting is private, but I'll be honest about it. I haven't voted conservative in the last couple of elections because the candidates have been sucky. It's as simple as that. Uh, I haven't had I haven't had one good candidate in my writing in, in years. And well, one thing I, I noticed about in the states when Biden got elected, he right away put a mass inoculation campaign for the American people. They, he really wanted to get the vaccines out there, and so I'm glad as far as for the American people are concerned for them to get the inoculation. Our neighbors to the south, we know a lot of people, friends, uh, relatives, families that live in the United States, so I'm glad that they're getting it. But again, like Canada is so out in the Rechus somewhere, we really don't know. Like um, uh, We really don't know what to, what to do. And the thing is, it's we're caught between a rock and a hard place. And then my, uh, my fear is the people that got the first dose of the vaccine when will they get the second dose and and if it takes that long on the second dose will the first dose well that's where already people that got is sick the reason and- that pfizer and all these companies are holding back doses to canada because we're not administering it on the time frame that they tested it and that they said is effective so it's kind of wasting it uh, Dino, so, Dino responded to you, Sheldon. He said, Sheldon, you are kind, and I will say this. I'm not impressed by late by our leader O'Toole. I need to see him throw punches and get in front of the COVID issue. I have not seen it yet. And Dino's right, again. Uh, I haven't seen it yet either. The, the Conservative Party has not impressed me for quite a while. Uh, the uh, Their choice of candidates in the riding I live in has been dismal, uh, and the leadership has been pretty dismal since uh, Stephen Harper left. So I, I'm, I'm not sure who I would stand behind federally in the next federal election. I know it's not the NDP, that's for sure. I know it's not the Liberals, that's for sure. But uh, there's not very many other options, and uh, I can't in good that's, that's the thing. Like, what choice? What choices? I mean, we don't, we don't have a decent party leader on any of the three parties. No. And I'm, I, I'm really scratching my head because I don't know what, uh, I don't know what to do. Um, I, I'm not interested. I, you know, I'm really, I don't even know about what to do on the next election. If I should eat, and there might be a really even lower voter turnout because people are going to say, well, especially in the local area that O'Toole, uh, decided to increase the French language, uh, wanted to go bill one oh one. Uh, Trudeau is very apathetic. He's concerned about the French language things. So right away, the the Anglophone people in Quebec is going to be completely uh, tuned out. They're not going to vote for Singh because, again, 
that could that could wind up being a split in a party that maybe people don't want to to happen because the NDP does not have enough uh, strength to get in. And then I'm also doubting Singh's liter- leadership. So who do, who do we have left? There, there is nobody. That's the problem. But that, that's and honestly, that's why I think like people like Dino, who sees the situation, who understands the situation, and um, and no, it's too. It's uh, you know, and I, I understand you, what it's like. I have to tell you, if a guy like Dino, if a guy like Dino, I'm not saying Dino in particular because I know he doesn't want to, but if a guy like Dino ran for the Conservatives in the riding I live in. I would vote conservative. But the last mm-hmm. five candidates, five candidates in five elections have been candidates that have been unvotable. You couldn't vote for them. They, they've just been, it's been, you know, if you know anything about their history, it was impossible to vote for them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of torn between a hard place and a hard place, if you know what I mean. You mean a rock and a hard place? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I understand that. I mean, I, uh, I, so this is what I really don't know. And the thing is, because of the small country that we are, who knows of whatever leader that would have been in would have been if it would have been O'Toole, if it would have been seen if things would have been any better. I think that Canada is looked is laughed upon as a small country, but when you talk about the states, the states is looked as you know one of the big hard hitting players in the world where Canada's not Canada's uh, Canada's a laughing stock when it comes to these things. And that's the, and that's been the problem for many, many, many years. And why do you think that is Sheldon? Why do you think people look down on Canada? Well, when you take a look about the small population and the role that Canada plays through the world, I mean, look, Canada has always been a, uh, a country that was a non-confrontational country. What are you talking? And about? nobody. Do we join two? Well, Canada. We joined two world wars. We lost people uh, in both wars. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying afterwards. It used to be like peacemaking. Canada used to do a lot of peacemaking stuff, and uh, it it changed a lot when Harper started becoming more more on side with the states and more, you know, more uh, forceful. Where prime ministers before Harper, it wasn't as much. Right. And Canada was more. So that was the thing. That was the role that Canada played because Canada was never known for its military might like the United States or like Israel. Like Israel spent, what, 70, 80 percent of their budget on the military. The United States spent billions and billions and trillions of dollars on their military. Yeah. What does Canada spend? So the thing is, like, if it wasn't for the States... Uh, Canada would be, uh, you know, other countries could, you never know, they could come in and dominate Canada so and the United Canadians, States. Do you think Canadians should be upset with the Americans for not sharing their doses of, uh, of, of the vaccine with us? Well, I think uh, that, can, that the whole world should learn how to share, especially when it comes to health. So whether or not it's Canada being upstate, uh, upset with the American people or the American people being upset with Europe or Canada being upset with Europe, as far as I'm concerned, these, these are pharmaceutical companies that have billions and billions of dollars in profit and could definitely put the resources available. And believe you me, they're, they're making money on, on this thing, trust me, with the, con- with the contracts from all the governments around the world. They're making plenty of scratch. So, uh, so I'm not sympathizing in terms of, of um, the money that they're making. But I think it's about time that all countries share and be able to supply everyone 
the vaccines that they need in the allotted period of time and for countries, all so countries to countries, follow directions. So you don't think countries, um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just playing the game here. You don't think countries should worry about their citizens before they worry about everybody else? Well, that's what countries are doing. That's, that's America exactly. Says. America says, I'm worrying about America first. Well, that's what, well, it's like uh, like Biden like Biden did in most presidents of the United States. It's America's first and then the rest of the world after. Right. So, I mean, look, if you're an American citizen, uh, you would agree with that. If you're a citizen that lives outside the States, you would not agree with that. So it depends. Like, uh, like let's put it this way. If, if the roles were reversed and we got all the vaccines... Um, as Canadian citizens, we'd be happy that we're getting the shots first. I mean, look, there was uh, snowbirds that were going to Florida that were getting the vaccines ahead of Canada. Now the Florida governor decided saying, hey, wait a minute, because they were getting a lot of complaints from the citizens that live in Florida and have property there. And they're saying, well, wait a minute, we didn't get the first dose of vaccines. Why are Canadians or why are snowbirds that are coming in to our country, to our state, to our to our resorts, and getting the vaccines before our own citizens. Great question. Sheldon, so then the- we're going to have to take a little break. We'll be right back. We'll be back in, uh, in, in, in a minute or two. All right. Okay. You're listening to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to call in. 1-877-669-1292 is the number to call. That's 1-877-669-1292. Shelton Eric Fried is here with me. He is the producer, the director, the uh, the orchestrator, the master of ceremonies for um, for his show on um, on, uh, on, uh, on weekday nights. He is the uh, he is the man. The man with the plan, the man with the uh, with the, with the brain. He's the brain. I'm the brawn. That's that's really the way it is, right? Can I ask you something? How many cups of coffee did you have today? Freed. <laughs> How many cups of coffee did you have? Really? I'm, I don't know what you're talking about, Sheldon. <laughs> Well, I don't know what your problem is. I don't. I don't. Well, I don't know either. I gave you. Us. I gave you a good intro, and then and now you're all upset about it. So I, I don't know. I'm not. Ups- I'm, not I'm never upset with you. I'm never. I mean, upset. I, 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 I could have just said, "Here's the guy, Sheldon." I mean, I, I could just said that. No, I like your intro better. Okay, good. And here's the guy, Sheldon. Here's that guy, Sheldon. That 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 guy there. Yeah. See, that's what the Americans would feel about Canada, or or Europe feel about Canada. There's the guy, Canada. <laughs> for the vaccines yeah, there's the guy dude, canada dude just like, get rid of him yeah it's the second largest country and area in the world and that pretty much uh i think another thing that we had a problem with too and i'm not making any excuses for the government but well, i, I think if you, take, for, you're a if you take a, if you take a look at the geography also yeah. a lot of people in the north were having trouble getting vaccines because uh because of the distribution and because flights getting to the to the far north, so I remember they were very yeah, late in getting in the, the, the. I live in Montreal and I'm not even close to be on the list to uh, to get a vaccine, and I'm a school teacher. I should be a frontline worker, and I'm not. You see, that's the thing. I have a big issue with the with the with the governments, all the governments, the federal government, the provincial government. If they insist on the schools to stay open. Now, if the schools were not going to be open and you were going to teach online and you're going to be from the safe confines of your home, that's one thing because you're not coming in contact with anybody, not your fellow staff, your students, or any of the administrators, your home. So, and you live by yourself, so you're fine. You have your bubble, fine. When the government is insisting that schools remain open, 
They should have put the teachers in front, just like you said, the healthcare workers, my significant other, that you also know, is a is a teacher. And and the thing is now, the the governments uh, governments Alberta now is starting to reopen the schools. Eastern Ontario is opening up their schools, and now the provinces are going to slowly starting fo- following suit. How do how in blazes? And this is really tease me off. How in blazes do the provinces want the schools to remain open or stay open or reopen the schools, depending on where you live? And yet they refuse to put the teachers in the front lines, like the front, like the healthcare workers. They're exposed every day to the I'm students. Ex- I'm exposed to um, maybe a hundred students a day. I stand in front of them. I talk to them. I sit in front of them. I hang out in the class with them for an hour, and it's different groups every day, and it's different uh, different groups, different classes. And being exposed to those kids means I'm exposed to all their bubbles, right? So I know I'm exposed to thousands of people a day, and I'm not considered a important uh, frontline worker. Nobody, nobody bakes cookies or, or gives me soup, right? All they do is uh, all they do is say teachers aren't doing a good job and, and criticize the work that we're trying to do during this pandemic. And on top of all that, not only do they only criticize us and, and, and say that we're not doing a great job, uh, we're not even put on the list for, for inoculation. So, I mean, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand. I don't get it either. It's like the government wants to have their cake and eat it, and they want to throw the teachers and administrators under the bus. Now teachers are parents, teachers, wives, husbands, brothers, sisters, whatever, and they treat the teachers like junk. Now, locally, I know there was talk about a uh, a strike. Yeah, but it's only locally. one union. I mean, teachers aren't all involved in unions, right? There's yeah, a lot of yeah. Schools. So the thing is, too, that one of the biggest concerns for teachers is always safety, is always working conditions. Now, I know most schools they are they are supplying the mask. I don't know about your school, so you, you have to elaborate that, but I'm saying based on my significant other school, they have, uh, they have an endless supply of masks for the students, for the, for the teachers, the sanitizers, the Kleenex and everything else. But again, the, the, but I, again, if the, if the government is going to have the schools open and parents want the schools open and this, the, and it's, and I mean, obviously, we all know that having the schools open is better for the kids' mental well-being. And I know, I know all of that. But the thing is, what about the teachers' physical and mental well-being too? It's a good question. And this is one thing. So the thing is, this is what the government is completely lacking in terms of intelligence. And once the government were to inoculate all the teachers and inoculate the students and, and all the administrators in the school, then we would have no problem for the schools to be open. And yes, there would be schools Monday to Friday, you know, five days a week, no, normal thing, and then, the, and then it would be closer to normal. But how is, the, how is this going to be closer to normal if teachers could wind up getting the pandemic? You know, I would... Um... Uh, if people followed my 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 theory, my way of doing things, uh, we would be a lot safer in schools. I really think that the rapid test that they do at airports should be done to every single person entering a school every single day. 
Sure they should. It's going to cost a lot of money, granted. It'll go through a lot of tests, granted. But the people who test positive, it's a 15-minute or a 10-minute test, whatever it is, 10-minute results, right, almost instant. Uh, the people who are given the test and they come out positive are sent home. So they don't expose other people in the school. That's what they should do. And every exactly. person coming into a school should be administered this test. Yep. And, and the same thing with employees working for companies, too, that are going to be open. Well, well, They should have the rapid tests also. Well, I'm saying they're forcing kids to go to school. They're forcing teachers to teach in school. You yeah. want to keep the place safe. You want to keep the place safe. I don't care about private industry. I care about, you know, I'm being forced by the government to teach kids in school. Mm-hmm. That's my profession. I'm being forced to to be there. Office workers are told to stay home. I'm told I have to go into the uh, into the den, right? So I walk into the building. I should be tested, and every other single person walking into that building should be tested every single day just to ensure that no COVID is coming into the building. Are you offering anything, or is your school offering um, uh, online teaching, or it's all physical in-house? Well, they, you don't offer online unless somebody tests positive or is exposed. So okay, so it's, so it's not like you're, it's not like the other schools where you're having one day there, one day o- online from home, and well, I don't et cetera, teach, et I don't teach those grades. That's grade nine and ten, grade oh, 10 and eleven. Okay. I don't teach those grades. I okay. teach younger grades, but but that's not the point. Okay. The point is, anybody walking into a school building should be tested for COVID. Yes, before definitely. they walk, before they're allowed into the building, like hospitals yeah. do. You go to the hospital, they test you before they allow you into the building. So it should be the same thing with schools every single day. So I, it's going to be really interesting in the next couple of weeks now that the high schools have been open for two weeks. Or it's going to be in the next couple of weeks we'll see exactly will the cases go up. That's going to be the big, that's going to be the big thing. If the cases go- what is your prediction, Sheldon? I'll tell you what my prediction is. What's yours? Well, I would, I'm, I'm going to give it to – when did the high schools open up? I'm trying to think. Uh, is it two weeks? Two weeks it's ago. two weeks now, yeah. right? Two weeks, okay. I'm going to give it probably another two weeks. So let's give it about a month after they open. So I'm thinking that unless they would actually do what you're suggesting and what I agree on, do the rapid testing, I do believe that cases are going to go up. I think they're going to go up too. Yeah, I mean, uh, how much? I don't know. But it's it's just a matter of time because there's no – because now the government is also locally is now wanting to start putting a little less stringent uh, to open up more things. And instead of that might wind up being, that doesn't that might wind up because, you know, if I go to, if I go to Walmart to buy milk, let's say, or I go to Walmart to buy some vegetables, or if I go to Walmart to buy some socks, it doesn't change anything. I'm in Walmart anyway. Mm-hmm. Closing off aisles and not allowing me to buy from those aisles, I'm there anyway. So mm-hmm. is discouraging other people from coming there? Not really. They're forcing me to go to school and to teach in school because mm-hmm. teachers must go and work. If you want to keep your job, you have to be there. And then they close off as non-essential school supplies. So you walk into a store, you can't buy pencils or pens or, or rulers or tape. Tell me this makes any sense to you. It makes no sense. There's no logic behind any of this. So no. so I know the idea was so that people wouldn't go out and there would be no Boxing Day sales and people wouldn't go out in mass to buy stuff. But uh, for, for, for heaven's sakes, there are certain things like, like snow jackets, like, like winter jackets and snow pants and, and mittens and gloves and hats that are not considered essential that are blocked off in the middle of the winter in Quebec. 
Yeah. I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Meanwhile, the last couple of days have been like minus 20, minus 15 degrees. Yeah, and if my jacket is broken, which it is, my jacket's ripped, I can't even go and buy a new one because they're not considered essential. Tell me it makes any sense. It makes no it sense. It makes absolutely no sense. I mean, pe- even people wanting to get socks. A friend of mine wanted to get socks. Yeah, nope. Can't even get socks. The only people making money off this whole thing, the only people who are benefiting from this whole thing is Amazon. Oh, yeah. Making billions and billions of dollars. Because as you close the stores, everyone's shopping online. And guess what's going to happen after they reopen the stores? Everyone's going to say, I'm too lazy to go to Walmart to go and buy. I'm too lazy to go to Joe's shoe store to buy. I'm too lazy to go to Paul's flower shop to buy. I'm just going to order it online. Yeah. Have it delivered to my house. Why do I have to go running out if it could come to me? Yeah. And you're going to really, kill me. It's really bought this very yeah. convenient. Could you just imagine, though, at the same time? <laughs> If we didn't have that kind of technology, if we weren't able to order online, if we weren't able to get groceries online, and if we were scared of going into a grocery store to get food, if we didn't have online, if we didn't have Zoom, you imagine how many, like, I mean, it's it's bad enough that people are so depressed because of COVID. I mean, I haven't seen my kids since last summer. Do you remember in March, last March? When people were afraid to go into shopping malls and were afraid to go into grocery stores and we were ordering our groceries online and we had to wait three weeks for delivery. Oh, I remember that. Three weeks to get your groceries delivered. Yeah, I remember that. I mean. It was awful. Terrible. And we just got back from vacation and then everything just shut down like as if it reminded me of the doors when you would watch Get Smart, the doors shutting behind Don Adams, yeah, one blank, after the other, blank, after the other, blank, after the other. Blank. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, yeah, waiting for two to three weeks to get your groceries online. Remember and that? sometimes you can't even get stuff from Amazon because they don't even have stuff available. I I'm, I'm even have a subscribe and save on liquid soap, Howie. Liquid soap. <laughs> it hasn't been in stock for five months. Li- I had to get soap from somewhere else. Liquid soap. Liquid soap, Sheldon. Yeah, liquid soap. And Amazon, as big as they are, they didn't even have that particular brand, so I had to go to another brand. So could you, could you imagine? And then toilet paper, bathroom tissue. Yeah, I have no when idea. You why, to, I have no idea why there was a massive rush on bathroom tissue. I don't. Well, th- I, this I was because everybody was in a state of panic, so they thought right away. It was almost like when I, people I had to ration food going back many, many years ago in the Great Depression, yeah, or, I, I or, or be- if I'm in a state of panic and uh, my my uh, my my city's getting locked down, um, I don't know. Eight hundred rolls of toilet paper seems a little excessive, if you ask me. You think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little excessive. One person in my building, I don't know who the per- person is, the, the entire locker, this was going back to last March, the entire locker was completely filled to the brim with toilet paper and Kleenex. So I'm wondering how much, you know, how, how long do they think we're going to be locked down for? And, um, and I, I'm one person, so I buy, let's say I buy a large package of toilet paper with uh, 45 rolls in it, right? <laughs> and those 45 rolls will last me at least four or five months. One yeah, package. Yeah. 45 rolls, four or five months, easy. I live alone. I'm, I'm, I'm a single person. Four or five, 45 rolls, that's a lot of toilet paper. 
Yep. Especially if they're the double rolls. Like, you go to Costco, you get those double rolls. That's what I was getting. I was getting, at one point when he used to be a member of Costco, I'm not a member of Costco anymore. He used to get these double. I still have some rolls left yeah. over uh, from uh, over a year, year and a half, two That's years ago. Yeah, one I pa- still have it in my locker. One package, 45 rolls of double rolls for one person, even two people. That's going to last a while, Sheldon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to last a while. Yeah, I was yeah. at Costco last week. When they announced, or two weeks ago, when they announced that we were going to go into this lockdown and curfew situation, and there was a guy with ten packages on his in his cart, ten packages. That's four hundred and fifty rolls of toilet paper, double rolls of toilet paper. Well, so if you if you if you if you double, it's nine hundred rolls of toilet regular rolls of toilet paper. Um, I I don't know. Hope he's not a fan of prunes, but okay. <laughs> maybe he is a fan of prunes. Maybe that's the whole thing, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe he has issues. I I, I don't judge people. But nine hundred rolls of toilet paper seems like a lot to me. In a word, oi. Yeah, really. Uh, maybe COVID isn't your major problem. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you need that much toilet paper, maybe maybe. Maybe it's not COVID. Something's telling you something. Yeah, maybe it's not COVID. Maybe that's not the problem here. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm awfully confused by these people. I don't know. I, uh, it just confuses me. I would see, I, I remember when this first happened and I was looking at the national news, uh, CTV national news or CBC, one of the local stations, and they were showing people going into Costco. Yeah. Or going into Walmart, and they were having two. There was one person driving two shopping carts filled with paper, toilet paper. Yeah, completely filled with toilet paper. Yeah, well, two shopping carts, well, and the, you know the Walmart people. shopping carts are big. Look, or got, the Costco are big. A lot of those people who were filling up their carts with toilet paper were planning to resell them. They were planning to turn a profit on it. That was the uh, that was the idea behind it. They were going to exploit people because of the pandemic, right? And a lot of them didn't get to do that because uh, Amazon and uh, and eBay all of them shut down the sales. <laughs> they were stuck with all these rolls. Uh, so a lot of them were trying to 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 make money off this. Uh, but I, I'm thinking, I like I'm looking at this thinking, thinking the toilet paper company said there's no shortage of toilet paper. That there, you know, if people bought normally, there was supply enough for everybody for for you know normal supply, right? So why panic over something that there is a normal supply for? It is not going to be a shortage. The company is assuring you that there's no shortage, and even if the the supply doubled, there was no shortage, but they was tripled and quadrupled, so there was a shortage. So I mean, you know, we create our own problems sometimes. Well, the thing was too, the stores would stock the items, and they would have many in the back, whatever, and they would stock and restock and triple stock, and they would keep stocking every half an hour to an hour, and they can't couldn't keep up the demand because they were fly, it was flying off the shelves. It's, the people are crazy. Yeah, so the toilet paper were rolling off the shelves into the carton, and uh, <laughs> that was basically it. That was Bob's your uncle. That was that was the end of the stock. So like the stores couldn't meet the demand of people that were buying toilet paper because they kept were getting scared that they were not going to have toilet paper. What a weird thing to obsess about. 
Yeah, and I was like, I mean, and I, I said, to, and I, I never, I, I would understand canned tuna. I'd understand canned vegetables or canned anything. If all the cans disappeared, I'd get that, right? If all the flour disappeared, I'd get that. Okay, people are afraid bakeries aren't going to be open. They have to bake. They need to eat. <laughs> if all the meat disappeared, I get that. But a weird thing to obsess about. All the shelves were filled with everything except for the toilet paper shelf. It was just the weirdest thing in the world to obsess. Well, even the clean, even Kleenex, we had trouble, and sanitizers were the same thing. Yeah, the uh, and then sandy wipes there, the uh, the wipes. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, the thing and then was, the, the price of those just skyrocketed too. Yeah, and I was so upset that uh, that these that these stores started gouging people. I mean, if, they, they if, if, if the government is saying this is what you need, like the the wipes, the sanitizer, whatever, to part of your daily hygiene ritual. Uh, I just don't understand. I don't understand these companies having to hold the public hostage. And I have a big, I have a big, big beef with these companies because they have no business. I, I'm telling you, I, I had a company that we used a lot of uh, rubber gloves. The the um, the, the uh, examination gloves, the same ones that people are buying now, right? The the, mm-hmm. the, the latex or the non-latex nitrile gloves that people are buying, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I bought them for years and years and years, and it always cost me, it always cost me between five and seven dollars for a hundred gloves. Okay, for a box of a hundred, it was between five and seven dollars. Now, if I go and buy that same box of a hundred gloves, it cost me twenty dollars a box. Wow, wow, that's that's ridiculous. Okay. I mean, if they want people, if they want people to to do whatever it is to be able to keep themselves safe, they should put the prices so everybody can afford them. Yeah. Not to price it out of reach, and then if they can't afford it, then they get sick. I mean, yeah, people that are on on uh, very very uh, low income, they're on fixed incomes. I mean, people that are making $100,000 a year, that's a, you know, that's a tip of the iceberg. That's nothing. But if people are on social assistance or on other things or welfare, whatever the case is, that $20 is like $2,000. Yeah. But people don't care. Nobody cares. And and, and that's the thing. And that's what, and I have a big beef against these companies that are making, and that's why I wish these governments would go down on companies saying, listen, you're making a profit because don't tell me. That for whatever it costs you to make these gloves, let's say it costs them a, a, a dollar to make the gloves and you're selling it for $7, don't tell me you're not making money. Come on. Of course you're making money. And then you want to be greedy and then sell it for $20? I mean, come on. That's what they're doing. And that's the biggest That's the biggest issue I have with these companies. And and, and it's, a, it's a travesty that they have to hold the public hostage. Okay, Brian. Brian's asking, "What do you think Legault will announce on Tuesday?" Well, I think he's going to announce an extension to the curfew for sure. Well, especially for Montreal, anyway. Yeah. I would think Montreal, the Greater Montreal area. I would think so because Montreal is still high. The hospitalizations are still high. Our curfew, maybe another. Our curfew is going to last maybe, for another month at least. I would think so, at least another month. I, I think in other parts of, of the province, I think, will be less, depending on what the region, the region is. But I would think, uh, I would think Montreal is, I, I know that Montreal is going to stay for at least another month. I, I, think, um, I think he's going to allow certain stores, stores to reopen. 
uh, yeah. with limited uh, customers. So, uh, limited uh, customers and limited hours. Limited hours, but the stores will allow to be reopened. I think restaurants are going to allow to are not going to allow to reopen. They're going to stay uh, takeout. They're not going to allow. They're not going to reopen the dining halls, but they're going to keep takeout going in restaurants. And yeah. um, and I think they're going to allow office workers to go back to work. Probably also with a very minimal, probably with a very minimal staff. Yeah. And I think also, home, depending on... Home, but if you have to go into the office, you could go into the office. I think that's what... Depend, depending on the type of work that you do, I think that if people have the choice of going into the office or staying home, I think most people are still going to stay home. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I think people are still very frightened of being in contact with other people. Like, it's one thing to be in the family bubble, which you're allowed, but to be with other people that you don't know if they've, if you know, if they were outside their family bubble, I would be very, very concerned. I would be very concerned if I was in that situation, I would, I would work from home. Uh, but how long do you keep people at home? How long do you keep people in fear before you um, start integrating them back into society? So, you know, after all this is over, after COVID is under control, after everybody's inoculated, uh, you're still going to have this, this this mental thing where people are going to say, oh, my God, you're not wearing a mask. And they're going to start screaming at you for not wearing a mask uh, because people are still going to be scared. That doesn't go away. That's been ingrained in people for over a year. So it's not going to disappear very quickly. So how do we change society? How do we change that mindset so that people will start hanging out with other people? And people start reintegrating into society because, you know, the mental toll this takes on people is, is huge. There's going to be major, major adjustments that if people do wind up going to work, uh, going back, and if they somehow feel uh, assured in, in their own way, I would think I, I, I would think it's almost like having a psychological scar. It's like having a nightmare on the back of your head saying, traumatic Gee, if, I, if I touch this computer mouse, if I touch the computer keyboard, oh, my God. If I touch, if, you know, if I touch the box of Kleenex that was next to me or my pen, my God, am I going to wind up getting germs? And people wind up being like germaphobes, like they'll be scared well, we've to been, touch anything. People have been trained to be germaphobes for the last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though it's been, I, think, I think Howie Mandel's very much at home. Even but. though it's been pretty much proven that uh, that COVID doesn't spread through touching surfaces. It's more through sneezing and spitting on each other. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. I think that's been the uh, the general consensus that you know your chance of catching COVID from touching something is is minimal. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's going to be a psychological fear. It's going to be a, a scar, definitely for a lot of people for a long, long that, time. For a very, very, very long time. I don't. It's, it could take. All, I I don't know in terms of period of time, in terms of numbers, but obviously, like you said, it's not going to go away. Uh, even if everything were to get back to normal, and I would, like you, would love to have our lives back to normal, be able to get together with family, friends, loved ones, be able to go into the office, be able to get together with friends and, and everything else and, and, and not be able to wear the ma- mask. It's going to take a very, very, very long time. And the thing is, this thing has to open up our eyes that we have to learn to be self-sufficient in, in our country. We have to be able to 
manufacture and distribute um, and distribute going back to what we were saying at the beginning of the show we have to be able to be self-sufficient and self-supporting and the sooner this country and other countries like it learn from this the quicker we will be able to respond to other threats like this in the future and how do we do that sheldon in your in your estimation how do we do something like that well we have to rely that look we have a lot of we have a lot of uh, know-how we have a lot of uh, education and the technology to be able to do it but the thing is when you're a small country having to to, to lean on other countries uh, that was the biggest mistake we ever made and Canada's been doing this for you know <laughs> as long as you and I have been in, uh, uh, been in this world Canada's always been uh, reliant on other countries, especially the United States, which is our b- the biggest trading partner, probably the world's biggest tr- two trading partners. We've always been, yes, and now there's been a lot of collaboration with the auto industry and other industries that's been going back and forth. Fine, but it took a long time for actual goods being made in Canada to then be exported into the United States. But most of the time from before, long past in our history, we were always relied on the United States. We have to now, this has really opened up the door that we cannot rely on other countries for our needs. We have to rely on our own needs. The sooner we do this, the better it is. Like you said, why can Israel be able to inoculate most of its population? And Israel is, what, a third of the size of this country. Why can they do it? And why can't and Canada can't do it? Canada has the technology, Israel has the technology. What gets me what gets me is that there's a, a million doses a day being given out across the United States. And in a month, if we had a million doses a day in a month, we could have our entire population. Exactly. So that's the thing. Like 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 again, United like um uh Moderna has the manufacturing facilities in the States. We don't have that here. We have to get it here. Or we have to get Moderna to send it from the States here. They, they if they will do that, and, and who knows if the, if the Americans might wind up doing some kind of a barrier saying, oh, no, you can't ship to any other country until the people in the United States have priorities in terms of the inoculations. Well, that's what happened. Again, that's what happened under Trump. Now, I'm not sure what's happening under Biden, but I'm sure. Well, well, we don't know because again, uh, Biden is also the Buy America First. Well, he's so he has the same policy as Trump. So I don't think anything's going to change there. I don't think anything's going to change either. There might be certain there might be certain changes, minor changes, but it won't be wide scale major changes. I never thought that was going to happen with Biden coming in. No. Um, but the thing is, again, because Trump's policy was good for America. So why would he change it? Well, any U.S. president's policy, they want to put America first. I mean, uh, I mean, it's normal that a a president, prime minister wants to do. Canada should have done, too, but he didn't. He put China. first. Of course, that's what he should have done. Any party that runs this country has to put Canada two ahead. That's that's the name of the game. We that's why we have to have these facilities manufactured here, and we got to do it quickly. So, God forbid, Sagotapedin, if we have another thing like this again, which I hope we don't in our lifetime or in 
lifetimes of our children or whatever. I hope that never happens. But if we do, God forbid, we'll have we'll be able to have everything in place to be able to manufacture and distribute and and vaccine. I mean, who even knows? There was also a lot of talk, Howie, too, and you must have heard this. Who knows if there might be vaccines that we might have to be inoculated like the flu shot every year for COVID or, or its variants. Right. So we have to have distributions and manufacturing in this country for that reason alone, never mind what we need right now. So that's what we have to think about. We have to really think about and we have to urge all our politicians to say, hey, listen, we have to now put Canada first. We can't rely on other countries has ever put Canada first. Well, it's about time some politicians done have done that. And anytime you yes. say that, you say, I'm a nationalist. I believe we should put Canada first. Uh, they call you racist, right? Look look what happens in the States. They call, you know, you say, I'm a patriot. America should go first. And there you're a racist. So, so you know, the, there's always the other side that's going to that's gonna berate you, that's going to put you down, that's going to say that, uh, that, that anything you're trying to do is, you know, is, is, is against someone else. There's always those divisions in society, people trying to divide society and continuously divide society. Well, the thing is, even if we were to put our manufacturing distributions in this country, you don't think the Americans have already done that? I mean, the Americans already have. So the Americans Americans are going to say, well, good. Finally, uh, another country that doesn't have to start whining and start asking us for stuff to, to, to export to Canada. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, so that's why that's why you have that's why you have to do it. I, yes, the United States is our the biggest tra- our biggest trading. You know, uh, we're the two biggest trading partners in the world. Yes, we get it. We 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 like one another. We we have similarities and we have differences. It's like, any, but the thing is, at the same time, America is going to the presidents are going to put America's first. Prime Minister has to put Canada first. Now, you said that Prime Ministers haven't put Canada first. You're 100% right. Now we have to have, we have to have put Canada first. All right. So Trudeau's not the guy to do that. So no, Trudeau. Of course, Trudeau's not the guy because he he would have he should have done it before. Uh, right. Other Prime Ministers should have done it also. Not just Trudeau. Not just part. Anybody should should like but maybe I'm that saying, should be I'm in the right now, right now, put the Prime Minister, first. Right now, the Prime Minister Canada is Justin Trudeau, and he's not the man to put Canada first. No, he's definitely I, not the guy. I, I know for sure. If he's definitely not the guy, and Aaron O'Toole is definitely not the guy, then who is the guy? That's or, the problem. Or woman. We don't. Have- I, I'm saying guy, but but I'm, I'm talking. Yeah. Who, who's the candidate? Who's the political candidate? We don't know. We don't have one right now. We don't have one right now. How sad is it that you have a country, a country of 30 million people, and there's no leadership? How crazy is that? That there's nobody that we could think of, and and you know it's a small country, small government. You could you 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 know who's famous, you know who's good, you know who's not bad, who's not good. And in all the people in government, we can't come up with one name of a person who could step forward and say, "All right, that's the person that could put Canada first. That's the person that should be prime minister. That's the person that could lead us out of this mess." There's not one person in government that we could say that about. How nope. sad is that? And that's also going to influence a lot of people going to the polls next election because a lot of people are not going to know. People that were staunch conservatives might think twice about voting conservative. Well, I'm telling you, I I haven't voted conservative in five elections. 
and, and I'm a staunch and conservative. And I haven't and voted people, conservative in five elections because the conservative party has let me down. Exactly. And the same thing is going to go for liberal voters, too. They're going to say, well, Trudeau didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Uh, and NDP. What did the NDP do? And, the, and besides, NDP. So it's either going to be liberal conservatives because no other party is going to get it, going to get into power. So these are going to be the two best leaders that Canada is going to come up with that we're going to be really a source. We already are. Future. We're already in yeah. problems. We're 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 a source now. We're going to be a source tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow and the, and the and the next years after we don't have a decent political candidate. I don't even know who I want to vote for. <laughs> well, I don't even know. If I, I don't even know. Club, honestly, Sheldon. welcome to the club. Like I, I honestly, and you know me. You you know me. Yeah, you're a lefty. I don't I know I, you. Yeah. I, but you know what? I don't even know who I'm going to vote for. Left wing, center. I don't know who I'm going to vote for because nobody has struck me as being a really good candidate. And, and to and to safeguard our, our health and our well being, it's you know the, right away they're dealing with, with provincial politics. It's completely soured and I always was a staunch person that voted in every single election from municipal provincial and federal I don't know if I'm going to spoil my ballots it's kind of scary when you get to that point like I don't know what to do like I really don't know what to do and I think I'm I don't think you're the only one in the country like that Sheldon like you and I are, you and I have always been staunch voters and always believed in certain parties or whatever. And you and I don't know what we're going to vote for. Nope. I, I don't. I don't even know where, who our listening audience that's listening to us right now. Who the, the people that would vote this, and all of a sudden they're not voting. Well, they can feel oh, free Mike. to call in and share with us uh, their opinions. one 669 1292 It's 1-877-669-1292. Give us a call. Uh, you know, you could um, you could weigh in on this uh, on this topic if you want. one 669 1292 I've been I've had this problem for quite a few elections already, Sheldon. That yeah. uh, that I've gone into the election. I've gone to vote because that's my civic duty. <laughs> Not everybody in the world has a right to vote, and I have the right to vote. I have the privilege yeah. of voting. So I never, ever, ever uh, don't vote because I feel it's important to get out there and vote. So yeah. I always make sure I, I express my civic duty. I do my civic duty. Um, but uh, it's been harder and harder every every election. I, I go to the I go to the um, to the electoral booth and I, I stand there and I stare at the ballot. And I'm like, I can't in good conscience vote for this person, but I can't in good conscience vote for this person either. And yeah. these people are whack jobs, so I can't vote for them. So who yeah. the heck do you vote for? Right? So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if a lot of these splinter parties or, or these smaller parties are going to get more votes for some reason. Well, I think they have, haven't they? Well, I think in this ne- in the next election, when is the next election again? It's coming up in April, no? Okay, I think okay. So the thing is, what's going to happen in the next? What's going to happen in the next election? Who's who's who? Who's people? You know, unless they suspend they, it because of COVID, that's possible too. Yeah, I, but again, uh, the same thing. Like you are, I'm not happy with Trudeau. I don't think uh, I don't think anybody in the country is happy with Trudeau. No, no, no. The honeymoon is over. Like when he first got in, he was going on the coattails of, because of his because of his uh, late father Pierre Elliott. So everybody, he was going on the coattails. Now the honeymoon is over, and now for sure, if people didn't like him before, they can't stand him now. 
I mean, I can't even. I can't even stand looking at him. I can't even stand looking at O'Toole. Look, he went from a majority government to a uh, to a minority government. Yeah, and his government hasn't fallen, and the only reason it hasn't fallen yet, and they haven't gone to elections yet, is because of COVID. That's the only thing that the conservatives did, or not. not I don't know about the conservatives, but maybe the conservatives uh, did by not bringing the government down because nobody wants to go for an election now. No, now's not a good nobody, time. No, yeah, now is not a good time. And I'm, I'm also scared to find out, Howie, like, uh, let me ask you this. Do yeah. you find that the, the, the voter turnout is going to be even lower than the last voter turnout? It all depends on what's going on with COVID. It depends when the election is going to be and what's going on with COVID. But um, even if COVID were to finish now... Again, we're still we're still caught between a rock and a hard place well, when really. it comes if, to the candidates. If Canada goes the route of the United States and they they do mail in votes like the U.S. did, um, U.S. had the highest turnout ever in in the history of elections in the United States this past election. So the same thing could happen in Canada. Who knows? I think also because in the in the United States too, I think there was a lot of anti-Trump. And I think a lot of people just wanted to get rid of him, regardless of what. All right, Sheldon, of what you were not. We got a call. Sorry to cut you off. We got a call. Let's yep. go to the call. Uh, hello, uh, hello, Howie. Yeah. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Howie, it's Dino. I, I can't listen to this and not get involved. All right, so you're in. <laughs> Hi, Dino. How are, are you? Good and you, Sheldon. Good. Thank you so much for calling in. We love you, oh, man. man. I'm telling you, you guys. just want to tell you before you start saying your piece, I'm telling you, if you were if you were leading the conservatives, no pressure here, I would vote for you because I love you, man. You're you're a great person. I wanted to tell you that. You are sweet. I've always appreciated your friendship and more importantly your kindness, both of you. You're good men. Uh, Dino, and, uh, I, have, I have a question before you, before you even get into your comments here. I have a question sure. for you. Uh, Dino, this is, of course, Dino Manzone, uh, Mazzoni, sorry, I got his name yes. right. Dino Mazzoni, <laughs> he, is a, um, he is a town councillor in Montreal West. Uh, Dino, uh, the, the town mascot, the uh, Butters the Turkey, died this week. Oh, I know. And it's, it's very, very sad. And uh, I was wondering if uh, the flag was flying at half-mast at, um, at Montreal West City Hall. <laughs> You know, I got to tell you, it was interesting. We had a meeting, I think, four or five days before the accident. Butters, right? The, yeah, the, the, the Butters the Turkey, you know, yeah. Making its way across uh, uh, Coast St. Luke and Montreal West. And it was like a fan favorite here. Everybody saw it. They liked it. You know, they were reporting uh, reported sightings. I even got to see it one time. I videotaped it. So it was kind of the thing, right? Yeah. And I think four or five days before the accident, we actually discussed it. So, look, we got to we got to get rid of this turkey and put it somewhere like on a wild reserve. We actually put aside a commitment to defray the cost to move the turkey to Le Nichoir, right. somewhere off in uh, the West Island, and we never got around to it. This turkey was kind of stuck around that whole Coast St. Luke Road and Westminster Avenue. And, uh, unfortunately, and, and by the way, the police were routinely called to move this turkey back off the road into, like, you know, on I the him sidewalk almost- or... I saw them almost every day, Dino. Almost every day, I saw I saw like a police car sitting in the middle of the road, and two cops trying to usher this turkey to the sidewalk. I watched this happen. It's nuts. Anyhow, it's it's a, you know it, it was sad, and yet I have to tell you, you know what? I mean, part of it is kind of you know you almost saw this coming, right? But yeah. uh, but but a lot of the kids in the neighborhood and a lot of families were really getting attached to this turkey, and I'm telling you, the comments on social media they were gutted. 
they would cut it. <laughs> well, I guess there's the expression of why did the turkey cross the road, huh? <laughs> <laughs> You're so, right. You're so, right. So the next federal oh, yeah, election, the next crazy, Canadian federal crazy, election will take place on or before October 16th, 2023. So, um, Dino, we, let's get back to politics because I think that's sure. why you called in. You didn't like what we were saying. Um, <laughs> now, 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 so before October 16th, 2023, we're going to have to have a leader that we could elect as prime minister. Um, I've, I've had a problem with the last couple of leaders of the Conservative Party, but more importantly, I've had a problem with the last couple of candidates I've had to uh, I've had to face for the Conservative Party in my riding, which is your riding, the same riding. Yeah, um, yeah, West Westmount and DG. So uh, I've I've looked at my candidates and I've said. I can't a good conscience vote for these people. This is, this is, this is terrible. And then I looked at the candidates at the riding next to our riding, and they were even worse than the ones in our riding. So, so I'm I'm not sure uh, if the Conservative Party has their act together. I'm not sure what's right. going on. I know you sit on the board, and uh, and I'm glad you called in because I mean you know I have to give somebody heck, right? <laughs> and, and, well, and well, look, let me you know this is where let I'm me at. be as honest as I can be about this, right? As as frank as I can be. I'm a very critical member within the party. So I don't, you know, I don't sit there and kind of just say, yeah, everything's great and vote for the conservatives. I mean, the fact is that we as a party have not, uh, we have not invested in the infrastructure in Montreal in terms of having a candidate who you saw in one election show up to the next election. So what you're constantly seeing is a revolving door of these candidates in and out, in and out, in and out. And they're creating no traction with anybody within the writing. So that to me has been a big, big mistake. Look, this is what happens within the party invariably. And I've been told, you know, for this cycle that it's going to change, but, you know, the proof is in the pudding, that what they do is they put the money and the efforts in the Quebec area region, you know, the 418 region, because uh, that's where we get some of our MPs, and they'll put it in some other places where they think they have a real shot. But Montreal's been barren land for the Conservatives for way too long, and it's, and, and it's not going to change. I repeat, it will not change unless the party starts being serious about investing in candidates, not just just in one cycle, but in repeated cycles. Otherwise, oubisa, we're not going to win anything on the island. Well, take a look. Uh, let's let's take a look at the Mount Royal riding because that's probably the biggest riding for conservatives, uh, the biggest chance conservatives have of winning a riding in in Montreal. Right. Uh, you take a look at the Mount Royal riding. So look, you go back what six seven years ago, you had a guy named Sambori that nobody ever heard of, right? <laughs> then then, right. then after Sambori, uh, you had uh, what you had Robert Lipman. Yeah, and then you had uh, no. I'm sorry, you had Solly Zidel. I, mean, I, I interchanged those two. You had Solly yeah. Zidel. <laughs> Don't do that. Robert's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I apologize to Robert. I'm a friend of Robert. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't mean to paint him in the same in the same category. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, you had Solly Zidel. Um, and Sally Zidel hung around forever, hung around forever until he was convicted of corruption, then took off to Israel. Uh, then after that, you had, uh, who was after that? Robert Lippmann, after, after yeah. Sally. So they had yeah. Robert Lippmann, who carried the baggage of, uh, of his mayorship in Cote St. Luke, and, and then the not-so-popular decision he made to join the megacity and stay with the megacity. Uh, and so then after Robert Lippmann, you had David Torchman, who's torn between federal politics and, and local politics. He wants to be mayor, right. but he also wants to be MP. So, you know, you know it's, it's, a, it's a divided loyalty. So, I mean, when you look at that riding, forget about the riding I live in, but you look at that riding, which is riding right next door to where I live in, and the biggest chance the conservatives have of winning a, uh, a riding in the city. Uh, 
the stability and the baggage that these these people carried. Either they're no names that nobody's ever heard of, or or they have this these huge baggage behind them that people can't in good conscience vote for these people because I mean, you know, uh, one of them was was a disgusting person, and the other one had this baggage that people you know people didn't like the way he handled his politics in the equality party or in, uh, in, in municipal politics. So, so you, you get to the point where people are, you know, people are saying, people I speak to at least are saying, well, can't the conservative party at least put up somebody that's votable? I mean, you know, electable? Well, I, let me speak to what, what specifically to the writing, but particularly to Robert's uh, uh, election, because this is important and it always gets lost when we talk about Mount Royal. He actually beat Anthony House father in Cote St. Luke. So yeah. he had him in Cote St. Luke. That, that was not an issue. No, it was, where he it was, lost, it was the rest of the running, I, mean, I know. Yeah. Well, he, he, I mean, where he lost was Dung Zong Vido in the Cote Dinesh part of the writing, right? right? So he didn't do as well, and Anthony House Father, to his credit, did better uh, with, for example, the Filipino community, the Portuguese community. So, But in terms of Cote St. Luke, let it be known, let it be clear, Robert Lemon beat him in that writing. And so that decision to uh, join the mega city didn't really hurt Robert. And, you know, I actually believe it, I was a proponent for the demerger in Montreal West and then therefore ran as a counselor, but I, I supported Robert in his decision to support the megacity, not because I agreed with megacity. Megacity is a big mess and a disaster and plot is the worst mayor we've ever had. But uh, I'm into I supported, that. Yeah, no, but I, I supported Robert only because Robert, you know, I think sincerely believed that that was the best for the city. And, you know, you can't really hold somebody against uh, for a decision that they sincerely believed in. In terms of but, the but, bigger question you're asking, though, but, but how, but, you why know, is that we're not... Just to continue with Robert, just for a second, uh, he just became a columnist in the Gazette he has a weekly column now replacing Don McPherson. Uh, I sure. read his column this week. Uh, interesting. I mean, he's an interesting guy, Robert. So you know, his columns are interesting. Um, but uh, but but going back to that, uh, he has a history. He had a history of voting against his own party and voting against uh, his constituency, going way back to the uh, to the Equality Party, to the Charlottetown Accords, way back, way back then, when he voted yes and everybody else was voting no, and then. Consistently, you know, back into Cote St. Luke. So he voted for the mega city when his city was voting against the mega city. Right, so, so right. this is the kind of thing that you know that that people tend to remember. That you know, when we elect a politician, he's supposed to be speaking on behalf of us, not on behalf of himself, right? Well, but you see, how we here's the thing. I just want you to appreciate something, and it's probably I would say principally the reason why I have debated and then come to the conclusion after every internal debate why I will not run for federal politics or at least anytime soon. It's that you get stuck in the party system and you're expected to do what the leader tells you to do. And you got to sit there like a ham and just vote for stuff because you're being told to vote for stuff. So, you know, I don't know. I have a real hard time, uh, you know, criticizing anyone who believes in their heart that they're making the decision that they need to make. At the end of the day, you vote that person in. You hope that person is going to make the right decisions. And really, you hope that person is going to go against the grain every so often. I I mean, I got to tell you, can we all can we just talk for a second about Anthony House? Father, I mean, yeah. look what he, some of the decisions he supported over the last four years. He should be embarrassed, embarrassed, and yet he did it, and he didn't even blink of a blink an eye. And so, you know, I would have rather seen Anthony take some principled positions on things he had as core values for many years. Instead, he he, he blinked. 
So I you, don't know. You know, you, you know, know, you know the uh, the the election that Anthony Hudson ran against Robert Lipman. I invited them both onto my show to right. uh, to debate. We had a, we, I arranged a debate with them and the third party, the NDP guy. I'm, I don't even remember his name. The NDP guy <laughs> who was running at the time. Right. I invited all three of them onto the uh, show. The NDP guy had a previous uh, engagement. He couldn't come, and he called me and profusely apologized. I couldn't change the date. It was it was it was a mess. Um, Lipman made the choice not to come onto the show. Uh, he, he made the conscious choice not to come on the show. Hulsfather made the conscious choice to come on to the show. I, I held Hulsfather's feet to the fire for an hour and right. a half because I used the time that I had for the debate and I had Anthony on by himself. Anthony Hulsfather on by himself with an open call to Libman. Come in anytime you want. The doors are open. Feel free to come in. He refused to come. Instead, he came down to the station uh, and did a French interview with somebody. I don't know what, whatever. Um, right. but, but he absolutely refused absolutely refused to be on the show with Housefather to, to come to a debate, right? Um, so, so you know, I, I'm kind of torn between these things. Uh, you know, I know the history. Uh, I understand the politics behind it. I understand what right. you're saying about, about being stuck in a political system and, uh, and, and the whip forcing you to vote in certain ways. I, I, get, I get the whole political aspect of the whole thing. But at the same time, I, I also feel that when I'm elected or you're elected or anybody's elected by the people... You represent the will of the people. So if the people are clear that they want something to happen and you disagree with the people's will, it's not for you to vote against what the people want. The people elected you to speak on their behalf. You're their representative in government. So if you feel that the people are wrong, but the majority of people want that, then I I think you're obligated to vote in the way the people want. Dino, I I got a question for you. Go ahead, Sheldon. Sorry. Okay, okay. The, my, the biggest question is, and I'm sure there's going to be on a lot of Canadians, no matter which party that they, that they would have normally vote for or would usually vote for, what would you say to people that right now are, are contemplating who to vote for in terms of the fact that they're, they really don't find a suitable political candidate that would represent their needs or their wants, and for someone that actually would stand up for Canada? Well, look, let me, let me be clear. I'm going to cast my vote for the Conservative Party and for Mr. O'Toole. And, and let me also be also candid and transparent. I supported O'Toole for leadership. Having said that, I'm also prepared to criticize Mr. O'Toole and tell him, and tell you and tell anybody listening, that I don't think he's really, you know, galvanized the population as of late with, with, with you know, what's going on with COVID and, and, and the vaccine missteps. I think there was a golden opportunity. There is a golden opportunity politically to try to really get the government on the ropes and perhaps in doing so get some results for Canadians. I don't think he's done a really good job in that regard. I'm being honest. I mean, I think for me to sit here and lie to you guys and tell you differently would just show me to be a hypocrite. So I'm not going to do that. But um, I will say this. In every moment and opportunity I've had when I've met with the leader and asked him questions about, for example, China, which, by the way, is the greatest existential threat to this planet. Uh, but, you know, when I've talked to him about several things, he's always given very nuanced, smart answers. The guy thinks. He's reasoned. He's principled. Now, again, a bit more of a red toy than I personally would like. But I think that he's a person who would definitely lead this country in a way that is a little bit more honest and transparent than the bozo we have at the helm. I have nothing positive to say about Justin Trudeau. He has 
absolutely no business holding this job. He's bungled every opportunity to do good for this country. And, um, you know, I, I wish I could be even more explicit as to what I'd like to say about him, but I, I want to keep some decorum on the show. Uh, okay, Dino, we have a question that comes in from the audience. Uh, Leo asks, what did Anthony House Florida support that was poor? So may, maybe Mr. D- D- Doran didn't look at the uh, committee hearings uh, for the Justice Committee when they were dealing with the whole uh, J- uh, Jody, um, Jody Raybould, I think, I mean, Wilson Raybould. I mean, that was a sham. That was a sham of epic proportions. And for Anthony to have sat there as, as, uh, as a committee chair and not have a sense of embarrassment, in Italian we call that vergogna. It's a it's shame, you know. And so if, that, if Mr. Doran thinks that that was uh, one of his moments, uh, shining moments, well, God bless him. And I'm sure he'll cast his vote for Mr. Housefather again. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, um, uh, Dino. I, I don't know who I'm going. I don't know what to do uh, coming up when your next election. I didn't know what neither to do. Neither do I. Either. I was, I was well. really, I was really torn. I, I'm, I'm a blue, I'm a, I'm a blue-blooded conservative. I have been my whole life, and I've made no bones about it. Anyone who's listened to anything I've watched or read anything I've written or watched anything I've done, or listened to anything I've said, knows that I'm a conservative. But uh, I, I just can't, in good conscience. Vote for 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 a party that's 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 been doing what they've been doing. It's just been well. Let, okay. Well, let's let's just also understand what we're talking about here. Let's go back to what Sheldon was saying earlier in the show about like, the process of elimination. We all agree that we're not going to vote for the block. Okay. I think I could say that honestly here. Uh, I have to tell you. I have to tell you. Years ago, they asked me to run for them. <laughs> they wanted a young Jewish guy in Cote Saint Luke to run. You're for right. Them. You're right. You don't. You're run. kidding. They approached me and they want me to run for the block Quebecois. And <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would not have been a good career move. I was thinking. I was honestly thinking of saying yes, just because I thought it would be fun, but I didn't. <laughs> if I would know better, I swear you're playing on April Fool's jokes on both Dino and myself. No, no, <laughs> God's honest truth. They asked me to run for them, and I said, I said no. Oh, my God. That would have been classic. That would have been a, a poster to keep for the ages. By yeah, the way, for sure. You know? The letter she knew, you know, Howie Silberger, Le Black. I'd sell tickets for that one. That was right after That was right after Preston Manning had asked me to run for the Reform Party, so which is funny. <laughs> well, look, I mean, so so we know we're not doing the block, right? No, MVP, no. Look, there's sentiments out there, certainly in Westbound NDG, where I live, which there's a po- sizable pocket for, for, for inter- of interest for the MVP. I just don't think Jazz, Jack Meet Singh is really the guy. I think that he, again, you know, let, let's, let's look at the situation here. You, so you have the government on the ropes, right? They were in need of uh, getting some support. What did they do? They threw a ton of money towards the NDP in terms of what they wanted, right, in terms of their program. The NDP, for crass political purposes, because they have absolutely no money in their till to run an election, agreed to support this government. So this is the kind of integrity you're looking at with Jagmeet Singh. So I would never vote for any of these guys. I mean, forget it. You know what? Like, I I don't want to have anybody spending my money that way. I just, I, I will never. They could put me in a box. I will never have casted a vote for the NDP or any of that left of center bullshit. Excuse me. But uh, in terms of what's left, Howie, it comes down to this. 
Are you going to cast a vote for a member of parliament that's going to add a seat to parliament and then eventually get maybe Justin Trudeau elected again? Because that's what happens if you vote liberal. So, again, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm just saying it's really a question of, you know, who's the least offensive to you at this point? And and I I just thought, you know, there's no way I could see myself ever casting a ballot for anybody uh, but, but Mr. O'Toole in this next election. I mean, there is no way I would ever cast a ballot for Trudeau. No, I, do you I, think that there's going to be a low vote, voter turnout, you know, this election, uh, this coming election that has been in past elections because people like Howie and myself are finding it very difficult to cast a belt for the candidate of our choice? Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting you raised that, Sheldon. I did a show recently about this where the government is, in fact, being pushed by the bureaucracy to get their act together when it comes to uh, mail-in balloting, because that was a very popular initiative, certainly in the States and also in the last British Columbia election. And so I think if you have mail-in balloting, you may see the numbers spike up. We've always had some relatively good turnout. I I think this next election is crucial. It's really crucial. It's about what kind of candidate do you want? A candidate that's going to be rudderless and and, uh, leaderless and, and, and put your kids and their kids into debt for, you know, for God knows how many billions upon billions of dollars. I, that, that's really the question, man. You know, and, and if the answer is yes, then go ahead. Trudeau's your guy. And if the answer is no, then start asking a bit more, you know, uh, some tougher questions as to who you should have as your candidate. You but think- I, 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 it, it's a huge election, the next one coming around the bend. And I, I just hope Canadians just don't, by rote, just, you know, vote for, for the person they've always voted for. they got to ask some t- tough questions. Do you think that the government's going to drop? The minority government's going to drop or they're going to run out their term? No, 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 it'll drop, it'll drop. We're looking at an election any time, I would say, you know, late March, but more realistically, sometime in April. I, I could see an April election. Even with COVID? I could see. We're, we're, by the way, we're certainly preparing for one. We, we've been prepared for months as a party, and uh, we're naming candidates, and so we're definitely looking around the bend and seeing an election very, very soon. Um, I... I I hope that I could be sold on whatever candidate uh, chooses to run in my writing, because um, you know you're not only voting for the leader, you're also voting for your representative. Uh, and I know that you know the representative almost is meaningless because you know the representatives, the number of seats make up the leadership. But but I, I also care about who's representing me in Parliament. I, I want to be able. To, I want someone who's accessible that I could call and I could, you know, I could deal with if I if I have a problem. Well, I think here's the thing. I think when we start attracting candidates into politics who don't need that job, who don't need to be politicians and make that salary, then you have a really good chance of having a country that works. For example. When I ran to be a city councillor, let me tell you, I didn't run for the $8,000-plus a year that they give me as a city councillor. I, I, I do very well in the private sector. I don't need that money. I ran and I served because I care about my community, and I want to make this a better community. So I'm not beholden to anybody. I'm not beholden to the city of Montreal. I'm not beholden to my councillors. I'm not beholden to the mayor. I'm beholden to my own principles. That's the type of person you need running at that level. When you say, well, I've got to run because there's a great pension. I get it in six years. If I sit in the committee, I get another 50000 When you start getting those people running for office, we are all in trouble, my friend. You know, Dino, I ran for politics twice in my life. And um, both times I lost dismally. But I ran twice. And I ran for the same reasons that you ran, because I felt that I could make a difference and I could help the city. Um, the second election that I ran for, the second election I stood, I stood my, I put my name forward, uh, was such a dirty campaign. My opponent was so dirty in the campaign, mm. and it was such a horrible experience. Uh, he ran my name through the mud for no reason, just because he wanted to win. And um, 
uh, you know, it just kind of turned me off from politics altogether, right? And made me very skeptical of uh, uh, of politicians in general. So um, I understand. Um, I understand what you're saying. I, it, I it's not. It's not. It. It's not easy, by the way. You know, let me tell you something. Um, municipal politics is really. I wouldn't say dirty, but it's very difficult in the sense that Serbia and Montreal West. They know where I live. <laughs> So, right. It's not, it's not like I can hide. You know, they'll knock on my door and say, look, my garbage is not being picked up. I'm upset with the traffic. You name it, right? On social media, I constantly get linked and people ask me questions. Um, we get we get grilled at town council meetings, as we should, by the way. Yeah. Uh, that we should be grilled. We should be asked the tough questions. Uh, and then the last election, let me tell you, my, the opponent I ran against, she gave me a run for my money. I, I won just up with under 100 votes. I wow. worked like every last door with minutes before that, that polling uh, station was closed. So it's a tough game, uh, and it's ugly sometimes, and, and they say a lot of things sometimes hurt your feelings. But you've got to have tough skin, and you've got to have a moral core, and you've got to know that your family and is, is, is core, and, the, and your friends are core, and the rest is all, you know, BS, right? I mean, whatever yeah. they say about you, it's all BS. So. Dino, thank you so much for calling. I appreciate it. My thank pleasure. you so much, buddy. Always. It's really nice to hear my from you. Pleasure. I'm so nice to hear you both, and you're doing a great job, and I love listening to you. I'm doing my work here for my office, and I got you guys in the background. So amazing. You're amazing. Amazing. Thanks, uh, man. And you got to come on more Take often, Dino. We, we really I know. Yeah, I please you do. You're, you always have an invitation here. Thank you, Sheldon. God bless, guys. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. All, all right. That's it. We're all out of time. Uh, Sheldon, thank you so much for uh, for joining me. Always a pleasure, my friend. Take care. Really nice to have Dino on. So. I'll, I'll be back on Tuesday uh, with Political Hitman, and maybe, maybe, we'll see. Maybe an episode of the Howie Slubbuck Show, we'll see. But uh, definitely Political Hitman on uh, Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, midnight there. The, the transition between Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, I'll be back then. Until then, I bid you a very nice Monday, I guess. <laughs> Monday? Uh, what am I supposed to say, Sheldon? I'm back on, on Tuesday. So I bid you a very good Monday, and uh, I will see you again on Tuesday. Oh, my God. All right. Take care, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>